Welcome to Junior's Table with Apostle Yolanda Stith. This is where ministry meets the marketplace. Apostle Stith is the senior leader of the Father's House of Baltimore, a songwriter, having released two live recording albums and one single, all available on digital streaming platforms. And she's also an author with three books, Invisible Battlegrounds, JL's Tent, and newly released book, The Intercessor's Porch. Recently, Apostle Stiff started a movement for apostolic women, becoming the visionary and founder of a conference and retreat called Women Build Global. Today, she speaks with a panel of pioneering women on the topic, Truce, bridging the gap among women from all areas of influence to unite for a kingdom purpose. I am so excited tonight to be hosting some amazing people. Um, and at first, I'd like for Pastor Giselle Ray Lindley to join me on the stage. Thank you so much for joining me, wherever you like. You look beautiful. Yes. I'd like for Pastor Candy West to join me on the stage. Thank you. Come on, woman of God. And Pastor Rosemary Bethel. I'm going to invite some others to answer some questions, but I want to jump in to the topic tonight, truce. Truce. And one of the things that God burdened me with was the contention and strife that is seen on many, in many different areas, uh, whether it's marketplace, music, ministry, women have a hard time, some women have a hard time connecting. And so we're going to answer some, I'm going to ask um, my guests some questions, um, but we're going to also get some questions from you and we want to answer some questions from you. So I have some questions. I wanna jump right into it for the sake of time. So the purpose is, uh, thank you. The purpose is to bridge the gap among women from all areas of influence to unite for a kingdom purpose. And I want to talk to Pastor Candy West. <laughs> yes, ma'am. What's the best? <laughs> Concerning the music industry, what do you think uh, one of your greatest challenges have been as it relates to connecting with other women? I think one of the biggest challenges is competition. Yes. You know, I think that it's easy to compare yourself as well. So it's the competing and the comparing. And you see something great in someone else that you feel like is a deficit in your own self. Mm. You begin to compete with, your, with what's strong in them, wow. but it's weak in you. And then you begin to compare because their gift is greater in this area or her range is better or her music career seems to be go a lot further than mine. Then you start to compete and compare as opposed to complimenting. Yeah. And so I think that that's one of the biggest issues. What would you say to a woman that's up and coming, a woman that is aspiring to be a recording artist? What would you say, what would be, what would be some advice that you would give her um, as she's building? 
Uh, a few things. First thing I would say is heal. Because an unhealed menstrual or vessel or minister in any capacity, if you go into this area unhealed, you'll get scathed even more. It'll cause more trauma, more brokenness, because you'll find yourselves trying to get the approval of people for the sake of your own healing. So you got to go into it healed, know who you are, so that no matter what realm, area, table, uh, arena that you go into, it, you're not defined by the applause of the people, That's but good. you're really confident in who God called you to be. If he sends you, then you belong there. Yes. So it doesn't matter who else Woo. is there. You've got to know who you are. Yes. Because if you don't know, they'll tell you. Yes. If you don't know who you are, That's they'll so tell you. Isn't that good? Yes. If you don't know, they'll tell you. And then you start to conform to people. You'll start to conform. And then you'll get into performance syndrome. Yeah. And you'll start to, one of the things I had to combat, and I'll be very transparent, was I got into such a performance syndrome. My mom put a microphone in my hand when I was three years old. I see. And so for years, I always, I always equated the applause and celebration of my gift to love. Mm. I thought if I sang good enough, they'll love me. Wow. If, if, if I'm good enough, yeah. they'll love me. And I equated the performance and the acceptance with love. Yeah. So you have to know who you are. You've got to know that you're loved by God and that he sees you yes, even beyond God. the gifts, beyond the anointing, beyond all that. He says at the, bare, at the base of who you are, you are loved because you're mine. So it doesn't matter. You don't have to perform well. Even if you bomb, a, a, you know, an opportunity and you don't do as well, you crack and you're, you're hoarse. He's still saying, if you gave me your best, I love that. Yeah. Yes. I love that. Yeah. yeah. That is amazing. It's okay to clap. <laughs> if you've not heard Pastor Candy West beyond today, I would admonish you to go and follow her. This woman is amazing. And you are a new pastor. Yeah. You are a new pastor. Tell me about that. Let me pause there. Let's go to Pastor Rosemary. I'm going to come back to you, and then I'm going to go to Pastor Giselle. Tell me, Pastor Rosemary, what it's been like for you um, leading a church single. Have you felt what Pastor Candy felt as it relates to comparison, feeling maybe um, undersupported? What has that difference been like? Ooh, that's a loaded question, right? Because I transitioned from being married and knowing what that looked like to being single and leading as a single woman. Um, there is a difference, and, and I'll, I'll say this in, in light of transparency. Um, when I was doing the same thing, but there was a man at the forefront as a figurehead, yeah. right? Because I was still doing the work. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, Loaded. I was doing the work, but there was a level of respect that was different because there was a man, right? And so I'm in a situation now um, where I'm having to deal with certain boards and certain, um, in, in Nassau, and um, I always bring some of my male leaders with me to these meetings, right? Because uh, just two days ago, I walked into the building and one of the board members um, of this 
uh, they're basically the landlords of where we're at. And as I walked in, he says, hey, girl. Right? Oh. <laughs> it's a hey, girl. And I said, good day, sirs. Right? And so what does it take is that I know I have been authorized by God to be in that position. So as a single pastor, especially female, you know you're going to deal with a lot of um, the setbacks that are placed before women, but that cannot shake you, shift you, move you. Um, Candy's going to have a, a different experience, I think, because there's such a backing. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, in, in terms of being in the right um, context of people. Um, but if you don't understand, I'm here because God has anointed me to be here. You can easily uh, be shaken. But you see the difference is what I'm saying. You mm -hmm. see the difference of how male authority is handled and dealt with mm -hmm. um, versus how female authority mm -hmm. is received. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But God, nonetheless. But God. God. How many single builders in the house? Pastor Rosemary will be sharing tomorrow um, on the topic building single. So if you are single, I want you to make sure that you are in that session. Wasn't that amazing? Yeah. <laughs> Pastor Giselle yeah. Ray Lindley. I said it right? You got it. She's my Panamanian, Panamanian. Panamanian friend. <laughs> Tell me um, what's one thing that you wish you knew before you started pastoring, before you started building? I wish I knew um, everything that it would take. Um, and I wish I was kinder to myself because as a firstborn immigrant, a firstborn child and an immigrant, you learn to be so self-critical and so you criticize yourself. And so you say, well, my hair is not right. And, I can't say yes like her, and I can't preach like her, and I, I can't flip, and I can't do all that. And so you start comparing yourself with uh, your peers. But I wish I would have been kinder to myself and realized that nobody is perfect, and we're all trying to figure this out, and realize that when God put a call upon your life, he will begin to prepare you in the process. I just got up and said, okay, I'm a pastor, so now I got it all together. But I realized it was not true. I had to grow through some things. Yeah. So I wish I was kinder to myself. Do you have one specific challenge, um, something that taught you more than anything else um, that you want to share with the ladies? Yes. So I battle with imposter syndrome. Oh, that's and that's a syndrome that many of us women, we battle with um, when God has put a call or a mandate upon our lives. And we are in a place and we say, God, how did I get here? I'm not even supposed to be here. <laughs> and so that is the time that God will show you that it's not by your power. Yeah, yeah. It's not by your might. Yeah. That's the time that God will show you that it's not you. So that's one of the things that I want to share in all transparency. If you battle with imposter syndrome, ask the Lord to deliver you from that because that's the place that you can carry with you. And many times you think that, uh, I remember when I first started preaching as a pastor, and I used to be like, oh, my God, I bummed that. Oh, my God, I bummed. Oh, oh, oh. I'll be in the bathroom pulling my wig off like, they're not going to call me back. Oh, my God, they're going to put me out. And then I'll get emails. Pastor, that word you preach, you were in my business. Oh, my God, who told you that? Then my 
husband call you? And I'm like, oh, God. And I had the carry syndrome. I'm like, they're all going to laugh at me. They're all going to laugh at me. So ask God to free you from imposter syndrome because you belong there because God placed you there. Did y'all hear that? You belong there. Pastor Candy, in your opinion, what is the root of mean girl culture? I want each of you to answer that. Mean girl culture. That's a very layered question, okay? Very, very layered. I will say I believe that one of the roots of mean girl culture is, and I believe uh, one of the speakers spoke to it earlier, how sometimes as children and as girls, we have those word curses spoken over us. We're treated mean by our uh, parental forces and uh, people in our families. We're, we're having to deal with siblings that don't like us. Yes. Uh, we have sometimes, some people are dealing with parents that don't want them. And so sometimes it's just a lashing out. I was saying, I believe yesterday, that pain is a symptom of a problem. And so usually if a, um, you see a woman that is operating in mean girl syndrome, it's, it's really just a symptom of a deeper problem. Yeah. Maybe it's because she dealt with something when she was a child and now she feels entitled to project that pain through meanness yes. to someone else. I believe part of that is uh, a childhood root that they just never got healed from. Pastor Rosemary? She gave my answer. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, but really it is is a projection of your own insecurity. I think uh, a lot of times we are our biggest haters. And sometimes uh, you begin to project that onto, and, and it's fear, right? So we talked earlier in my message, I talked about how pain is connected to fear. So there's fears um, that, that are rooted back to those unhealed little girls, um, generational curses and cultures that have continued. And so if I'm afraid that you will reject me, sometimes we, we, we preach about it, we talk about it, we shout about it, um, and, and we celebrate that idea that, you know, I don't need them. Uh, I can do it, me and Jesus alone. Uh, you know, I'm all right without them, whoever they are. And so there's this rejection that is inherent there. And then going back to even what Candy said, um, it's, it's the comparison, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's what I envy in you, I begin to attack. Yes, oh. yeah. Instead of saying, you know what, um, Dr. Uh, Tori talked about it. I, I like what you did there. Yeah, I'm inspired. I, I'm inspired by you. Can I learn from you? That's so right. I begin to attack your progress. You know, I tell Pastor Gigi, I felt like I met her in a different life. Like we've been friends, and um, if you, when you hear her tomorrow, every one of you should say, you know what? Whatever that is, lay hands on me. Because what God has done through you. If we will learn to celebrate it, yes. Come on if we now. will learn to say where you have been gifted, I am a recipient. Yes. I don't have to fight you. I can receive from you. Yes. 
right? So we cancel mean girl culture when we silence the competition. Yeah. We're not, if you win, I win. That's right. Absolutely. I'm going to share a testimony. Well, not a testimony. I'll share a story. It's not a testimony. Uh, I was, I used to be in relationship with this woman, and she was a pastor, um, and um, I just did not know why she didn't like me. I did not know, and I was so confused. And so for me, you know, I take it to the Lord in prayer and just let it go. And one day she called me out of the blue, and um, we had not talked in some time, and she said, hey, I need to talk to you. I said, sure, and I'm all bubbly like, uh, Oh, I, I, I'm so happy to hear from you. Oh, my God, how have you been? She said, wait, uh -oh. give me a moment. And I was just like, oh, okay. So I got quiet. And she said, I took my church on a fast um, concerning heart issues. And she said that as they were fasting, uh, as they were fasting, she said, the Lord spoke to her and said that she could not lead the people into a fast until she repented to me. Wow. And, um, and so I was just like, I was taken back because I did not know why. She said, I'll explain it to you. She said, I had heart issues with you. Talk about truce. Well, my face hit the floor. <laughs> Look at Pastor Candy's face. Because this happens, this is what creates mean girl culture sometimes right. in the church, it is that comparison, but it's just a thin line between comparison and jealousy because oh, she was wow. jealous. Yeah. Wow. Um, and me, I'm just being my old bubbly self. Hey, and sometimes um, I don't see what other people see. I'm just there. And so anyway, um, from that conversation, I started to think about it. Uh, I wonder how many people struggle with this in the body of Christ. It's a real thing. Can I touch on that sure. real quick? I literally, and I made mention of it uh, this afternoon, but I have literally had to help people journey through the trauma of their success in friendship. Mm. Because when they became successful or when God brought breakthrough, their friends became victims of their breakthrough. You talked about Ooh. that. What? Right? I feel I'm the Holy a Ghost. <laughs> and and here's, here's what it is. I'm a victim because now your, your success or your breakthrough demands something of you that I can't be a part of. Oh God. Yes. Oh God. Yes. Right? Oh God. So obviously there was a need in that woman. Yes. Um, and there was a, a deficit. Her need and her pain became a point of attack. And internal, because a lot of people internalize so much of their trauma right. because they have not healed. They have not healed. And so now I can't celebrate your breakthrough because somehow your breakthrough speaks to where I'm at Ooh. and where I feel insufficient, insecure, and all of those things. And I'm like... If I'm, if I'm your best friend, I should be your biggest cheerleader. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. That's right. I remember, I don't know if you all, some of you were with me when I posted a flyer. Pastor Rosemary is one of my best friends. Wow. And she has encouraged me through my journey. Yes. 
One day she, she called me, or maybe she called me and said, Yolanda, you have to be blessed. And in my mind, I was thinking like, whoa, right? But it hit me in my belly um, because I really, sometimes the pressure of right. that, what you're talking about, God elevating you, yep. can become a lot when you know that people around you don't like it. That's right. So God would use her as a sound, like she would sound right. off. Yolanda, and I mean it just like that. Like she would text me randomly That's in right. all caps, Yolanda, right. you have to be blessed. One day she had a whole graphic made Whoa. that said, Yolanda, you have to be blessed. I'm just praying for every woman in here that you would have a friend like that that will text you, that will call you, that will create graphics for you that say, Yolanda, you have to be blessed because it healed me. He's like, oh, another country. It healed me. It, 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 it reminded me that it was okay, it's okay to be blessed. It's okay. That's right. It was okay yeah. to be blessed because I would find myself, I'm getting stirred up and I'm, Stop. I would find myself internally like shrinking yeah. and apologizing Ooh. for what God was doing in my life and I wasn't able to fully celebrate what was coming because I was wondering what other people thought and worried and feeling lonely because my single circle was shrinking. Come on. It's okay for your circle to shrink. That's right. Sometimes it's necessary. Yes. Amen. That was good, Apostle. Thank you. So Pastor Giselle, what do you think one of the greatest misconceptions is about women in ministry? I think the biggest misconception uh, that people have about women in ministry is that we're unapproachable. Uh -huh. And I face that a lot. They're like, I didn't know you was that cool. And don't even talk about if the Lord has called you into the marketplace as well. They're like, you're so humble. Wow. I thought that all the wealthy people in the world were just mean. I thought like, like being arrogant is a prerequisite. <laughs> of being successful as a woman in ministry and marketplace. So I think that is the biggest misconception. But I believe that in this season, God is, can I just flow? I just feel in this season that God is raising up women that would be true representation of what he wants to do in the earth. I just feel like that. I feel like people are going to look at us and they're going to aspire to be like us. And they're not going to be like, oh, she's in ministry, but she stank. They're going to look at us and be like, Lord, I want to be like her. Yeah. Like, wow. Oh, my goodness. Like, I want her mantle. Praise God. I feel like God is doing that in this season. Amen. Drip wealth. That's what tomorrow she is our luncheon speaker. You all, please be here. She is phenomenal. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Pastor Candy, same question. What do you think? Uh, one of the biggest misconceptions are for women in ministry or industry, music industry, however you want to answer that. I'll, I'll lean into women in ministry because I'm, I'm kind of a hybrid, right? Yeah. I think two misconceptions that I've found in, even in conversations, I think one is that I hear that they say women are emotional, like yeah. women pastors are emotional, right? They're emotional. And I'm just like, well, what's wrong with that? Exactly. If I don't feel, if I'm not sensitive yes. to the move of God, if I'm not 
if I'm if I'm not compassionate, yes. if I if if I'm not gracious, then we're mean, right? Yeah, and right. and the other word that they like to call us. So it's <laughs> but it's like what's wrong with me tapping into the different levels of emotions that are required for the time. There may be times where the grace in me is required. Yes. There may be times where the fire in me is required. You might need the lion and the lamb. Yes. Like, <laughs> so you might call me emotional, but I'm saying I know how to tap into my emotion according to what's needed in the moment. Come the other on. side of it is we're trying to be like men. Why do women pastors try to be like men or preach like men? Just because I'm strong when I deliver. Yeah. I'm very feminine, very dainty. I like girly yes, things. You, and Yeah, and I don't think it's anything wrong with being all of that but yes. being as strong and but there are times when it may require for me to be soft yeah I may have to purr and not roar but you got to know the difference but be okay with owning that so I think the manly thing or the masculine thing or the strong they think that our strength is masculine mm -hmm. which I think is a misconception That's and then right. the other side of it is women ministers or pastors are emotional That's so I good. completely agree with that especially um, with the masculinity. Um, I do see that in some women, but yes. it's not in every strong woman. Yes. And I think that one of the greatest misconceptions, especially for apostolic women, is that we are controlling. Oh, yeah. hear that? That's right. Jezebel. Come on. Now some are, but not all. Not all. And so you can't group everybody together. That's right. You know what I mean? It, you have to be able to something let they like that you have to be able to um, discern properly pastor rosemary same question oh the misconception um i you know so many people when they see passionate apostolic delivery then do think you're unapproachable yes right so and and then i've gotten this um as well pastor Gigi. um one of the pastors in our network, she came to me and said, Pastor, thank you for being kind. Because Ooh. you're a diva, but you're kind. And I'm like, <laughs> is this like an anomaly that you can't be apostolic, passionate, powerful, prophetic, and kind? Oh. And even at times gentle and nurturing. Um, and, and I think it is, you know. We get to represent so much yes. of who God is, and yes. a lot of it is not about gender norms. Yeah. Because the woman could be a Jezebel, but so can a man. It's a spirit. It's a spirit. It's a spirit. And I, I have run into more male Jezebels than women. Well, I'll walking. tell you the truth. <laughs> I'll tell you the truth. My, my, my. Somebody give Apostle Gail a microphone. Yes. I want to direct this question to Apostle Gail. Wasn't her session powerful? <laughs> Apostle Gail, as an apostolic woman, what are some tools or solutions that you, you believe that, I'm trying to read this, um, should be implemented to bridge the gap amongst women in church and marketplace. Did you understand that? Should I repeat it? I think I did. Okay. Tools. Keys. Keys to bridge the gap mm -hmm. between uh, women in ministry and, and marketplace. marketplace. And you can speak from the ministry side if you like. Sure. Um, whatever it is we do as women in ministry, 
do it unto the Lord. That's beautiful. Uh, the Bible says, whatsoever your hands find to do, that's what you do. So we can stand in both places and still be representatives of the kingdom of God. Yeah. Um, it's important for us to uh, allow our light to shine. Yeah. And, um, and at the same time, not be overly, I won't say spiritual, because that's very important that we are, uh, but don't use our spirituality as a weapon as against a weapon. those yes, who are not. That's good. So good. So good. Yeah. So good. Because we do that. We do that even in the marketplace. Um, we can use our gifts. That's right. Of, of, of insight and foresight. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, prophetically say to someone, oh, you know, and, uh, and then um, persuade them to do something that we would want them to do. Um, I think the keys that we need to use simply, uh, it's important for us to remember who we are before the Lord. Yeah, yes. Before the Lord, not the people but before the Lord. Yes, ma'am. If we remember who we are before the Lord, then we'll be right before the people, whether they agree or not. Yes, I yes. I love that. Thank you so much. Yes, Pastor Giselle, you are multifaceted. You are one, your ministry and marketplace. You have a new talk show? Yes, I started a new talk show called Mogulish. Tell us about it. Okay. So... Um, the Lord gave me this idea, um, probably like I'll say at the beginning of this year, to feature uh, women of color who are seven, eight, and nine-figure entrepreneurs um, who are doing some amazing things in the marketplace to show the next generation of what marketplace women look like. And so um, I, most of them are my friends. So um, one of my friends, she owns a, have y'all ever heard of Nothing Bun Cake? She just, she owns yes. a Nothing Bun Cake. Yes. Um, so I had her on the show, and they talk about their journey. But, oh, I love that butt cake. Yes, oh, she's so a franchise. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. So good. I would have brought you one. My goodness. I get them for free now. <laughs> <laughs> but she actually tastes the cake at my house. Wow. And she loved the cake so much. And I told her, I said, I was thinking about opening up a franchise, but I don't have the time because I'm going to the church thing. And then she called me back. She's like, I got something to tell you. I'm working on a project. I said, what? She said, I'm opening a nothing but cake. She, she thought she, she tasted it at my house. So I guess that's what happened when you're an apostle in the marketplace. People just birth out businesses. Right. Are, are, you, are you confessing right. that now? I'm Declare confessing that. it now and I'm accepting it. Is she declaring it. that now? That's right. That's the only one thing. She gave me free cake, but anyway. So um, what was your question? I'm sorry. You were doing good. I was getting ready. You asked me something about the marketplace? I was getting ready. To move and to, I wanted to know. Oh, about my show, right? No, I was no, I was asking you. I said, I said that. <laughs> I'm sorry. You start talking about the cake, okay. and you know I'm kind no, of chubby. The so cake, got, the cake <laughs> excited me. I got distracted by the cake. I just started thinking about the red velvet and the lemon, <laughs> and all the times I crashed my diet. And I hid the cake from my husband. Oh my god! I just goodness. had a trauma spot. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> As a, you're multifaceted, I absolutely love you. You own 
Four. So I own four child care facilities. Um, for the honor of the glory of the Lord, we service 435 children. Wow. Um, praise God. Incredible. I want you all to be inspired. I'm not just asking these questions to ask questions. I want you to know that it is okay to be powerful and wealthy. Amen. I was in, oh, I'm so stirred up. I was in class. Um, I went, I'm back in school again for the 15th yes, time. But I was in class with a bunch of, you know, stuffy people. I'll just call them that. You know, it was just stuffy, right? And they started talking about money and how Jesus was lowly and he yes. was poor. And I just got so, God, the Holy Spirit just overshadowed me. Wow, I yeah. like that. Oh, I, I like that. that. <laughs> I just, Jesus wasn't broke. No, he wasn't. I said he has mansions, he has thrones, he's wealthy, he got right. streets of gold, diamonds right. and everything. Where do we get this misconception right. from? Oh, my it's okay. So I want to ask you, did you find it challenging to branch out? Were you, a, were you uh, in the marketplace first? I was in the marketplace first. Um, so I employ 105 employees for the wow. honor and glory of God. You hear this? And um, three years ago, I also owned a construction firm. What? My husband and I. I love and that. Then, so and for the honor and the glory of the Lord, four months ago, I paid my house off. This is what we need to see. Women, we need to see this. So I just want to say this to inspire you all that, that it's okay, that our Father wants us to have the best. Yes. And I know they told us that being broke keeps you closer to Jesus. But listen, it's when I was broke, I was it's far. A lot of I was mad with it's God. A, it's a lot of broke people distant. Yes. <laughs> so I just want to stop that, okay, and tell you. When I was broke, I was mad with God. Was, I'm just saying. I'm like, ah, when I'm gonna get me, you know, new car. I was mad. So anyway, so I was in the marketplace for 14 years, and then the Lord says, now I want you to leave your marketplace. I'm like, God, and go past all these people. I'm like, God, they all gonna laugh at me. I don't even like church people like that. And I grew up in the church, and I had a new phrase that I introduced to her. I had prophetic trauma. Someone prophesied to my parents. I love this talk. You love this talk. Because you told me this story. Go yes. Ahead. Someone prophesied to my parents that they were going to do major things for God, for God, and the word was off. And they internalized it. They got very sick. They got very depressed. So I was like, I don't want nobody else prophesying to me. Because they prophet lying and they prophet trying. <laughs> and then the Lord said, you're going to prophesy. And you're going to be an apostle that I'm calling to the marketplace. And I'm like, Lord, Why? So I had, to, um, I had to leave my workplace, my marketplace, and go and open up Transformation Church. And let me tell you, since I did that, God blew me up in the marketplace like never before. Obedience. I paid off my house. I started paying off buildings. God started, we just bought a, a medical center. We just bought it cash. God started opening up the doors. Because when you're obedient to God, and whatever you make happen for God, God will make happen for you. Yes. Come on now. And there's a reward that comes for obedience that nothing in this world can compare to. And so God has expanded me beyond my wildest imagination. And so what my challenge was, I had to introduce the church people how to do things the kingdom way. That's good. Because they came and they was ready for, for the shout. And I said, sit down. We ain't about to shout today. You're going to learn how to clean this credit. Learn hey. how to clean the credit. Come on. You're going to learn how to clean. You're going to sit yourself down. You've been shouting for 25 years. 
And you still got a landlord. Come on. I love this so much. Listen, but God wants you to be the, the Lord of your own land. So you're going to sit down and clean this credit, and you're going to learn how to buy property. And so what the Lord's been doing in our house, the Transformation Church, you can't pastor a church named Transformation Church, and God's going to transform you first. Praise God. Okay. So what God's been doing, he's been raising up people that were homeless. They're landlords now. <laughs> Builder. I love that. I love that. People that were living with their moms and fathers, I mean 35, you're 35 years, you still living with your mama? How, and and you, you, you married? How you, to, how, you, how, you, how you doing to grown folks at night? You ain't scared they're going to hear you? No, no, no. Get up out of that. That's not the will of God for your life. I love that. So I that was my challenge. I had to teach the church the ways of the kingdom. And I had to teach the church about kingdom economy and teach the church to get ready for the wealth transfer. They, the wealth of the, but are you ready for the wealth transfer? Are you ready for yes. it? The house is coming, but do you have your credit? Okay, let me leave yes. it alone. I love that. Because your credit got to be able to get it. That's and your change can't be strange. All right, now. Don't y'all tighten up in here. Open up. You better hear it. You came to a builder's retreat. Yes. It's going to be holistic. Hallelujah. We're going to take some questions from the audience now. Um, if you have a question, would you just please stand and they will bring you the microphone. And if you don't, we ain't going to beg. Praise the Lord. Okay. All right. Well, this has been your Junior's Table Live. <laughs> we absolutely love you. Have a good night. Thanks for listening to Junior's Table with me, your host, Apostle Yolanda Stith. If you like our show or would like to know more about us, check out our products and our ministry. Please visit YolandaStith.com. It's been a blast hanging out with you all today. I hope that teaching blessed you. Tell people about how this teaching has blessed your life. Lastly, ask other listeners that may be interested in the teaching that you have heard today to follow us. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to form a family with you. God bless you.